God Hears Her. God Hears Her. God Hears Her is brought to you. Is brought to you. By our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Or find us on social for more information. But the truth is, our brains are just as fallen as everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, yeah. to the extent that we would have physical issues, like, you know, high blood pressure and, and mm-hmm. heart disease and a bad back, yeah, <laughs> we, right. also, we also have nagging, anxious thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. also are kind of wired in ways that make us more susceptible and prone to depression, for example. Yeah. And not to mention the painful experiences that we have and the way that trauma shapes us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I just think that we just need to give ourselves and other people a lot more grace, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot more yes. grace and a lot more honesty to talk about our own mental health and that yeah. we are a work in progress. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Erin Eddy. And I'm Elisa Morgan. Have you ever struggled with anxious thoughts or constant worrying? Or maybe you've been stuck in a sad season for a while and you can't seem to snap out of it. Or perhaps there's a long line of depression that runs in your family. As Erin and I have shared multiple times on this show, we are firm believers in therapy. And this isn't a commercial for it, but why is that? Because all of us, you, me, Erin... We all struggle with emotional, psychological, and physical circumstances that impact the way we experience our lives, other people, and the world around us. That's right. And even though our society has come a long way, the conversation of mental health is oftentimes still stigmatized. But we believe that an important way to disprove that stigma is to just talk about it. Just like we need to take care of our physical health, it's so important that we learn to take care of what our guest today will call brain health. Our guest today is Dr. Christina Edmondson. She holds a PhD in counseling psychology, an MS degree in family therapy, and a bachelor's degree in sociology. Yowzers. Along with a career in higher education, Dr. Christina is a public speaker, a mental health therapist, and a co-host of the Truth's Table podcast. We are so excited to pick her brain, her healthy brain today. It's our hope that her personal story and experience can help us all learn to pay attention to our mental health. This is God Hears Her. Dr. Christina, I am so excited to have you on the show. There's so many reasons. One, I've gone to therapy for probably 12, 15 years. So the fact that I get to just sit here and talk to you, I'm so excited about. (laughs) We are therapy fangirls. Yeah, we we, we are. It's a good thing. We have decades of experience as receiving it. Amen. What a blessing, especially when it's helpful and thoughtful and gets you where you're trying to go. And painful. And painful. And painful. You know, it it is like a workout, right? Mm -hmm. And if you haven't worked out in a long time, you're going to feel it. That's right. It's a muscle. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so you're an expert in mental health. You have your PhD in counseling and psychology, and you are a host for Truth Table. Yep. Before we dig into that, though, I want to know who Dr. Christina was before she was Dr. Christina, when she was Christina, <laughs> when she was a young girl. What memory comes to mind? And then what kind of brought you to where you are mm. right now? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great question. Well, I would say I still am very much Christina. Um, <laughs> and so I think the part of me from childhood is still very, very present. It d- didn't go away mm-hmm. with more educational opportunity <laughs> or more, uh, more painful work and right. learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think to get a snapshot of who I am from my early childhood, I think you'd have to know like the, the city that raised me, like the community, mm-hmm. the culture that raised me. And so I was born in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and my parents are a hoot. <laughs> I have learned to appreciate them more. Obviously, when you're a kid, you're like, ah, I don't yeah. know about these people. But yeah. um, <laughs> as I've grown older, I have I realized why my parents had so many friends. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a household where my parents had a company every day. Oh <laughs> and I'm not even overstating that. This idea of having an open door where my father was trying to force feed someone so that like you don't say no to the food he's offering. And all of that to say, you know, I was shaped by these people who were clearly deeply flawed humans, but Mm. were really hospitable Mm. and compassionate and funny and kind of cultured in their own way. And I just really, really grateful. And they introduced me to to the local church. Um, And by extension, that introduced me to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I think who I am at core is someone who who loves to laugh, someone with a a full range of emotions. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Someone who deeply appreciates hospitality and someone Mm who uh, loves culture and and is also honest about the way sin has impacted our society, our world, our systems. And so, mm. and that certainly, I think, was introduced to me by Mike and Brenda. Those are my parents. Mike and Brenda, <laughs> who are Mike a hoot. And I love who that description. That my are parents are a hoot. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a lot of degrees, you know, after your name and, and some expertise for sure. And you've had a lot of education. And you've also formed that and focused that towards people and their problems and mental health. So how was this passion for education and for mental health? How was that born in you? How was that shaped in you? Well, first of all, I'm one of those people with a long list of problems. So I think (laughs) I think I can relate to, (laughs) uh, although I think I have enough insight to know that people don't often perceive me that way, Mm. but I've got a long list of issues. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so in some ways, as we think about, you know, heal or heal thyself, yeah. people who go into the helping fields are, are also kind of crying out for mm. some degree of help, some need of, of help as well. Right. Yeah. And so I'll just say that I'll confess that even with some delight and joy that I'm, I'm fully human. Mm. And, you know, I was raised by a, a school teacher. My mother was a school teacher um, and she was also an administrator. And my father in particular, he normalized for me the struggle of learning. Hmm. Whereas some people think about learning as like, you know, either you're a smart person, you're a not smart person. Ah, My dad presented, you know, I remember him saying to me one time I was struggling in a class in seventh grade and his response to me where my mother was like, you know, do your homework, study, ask your teacher. You know, she was running the drill like as an educator. And my dad was like, I don't even know if I passed the seventh grade and I did okay. Just go in there and just enjoy learning. (laughs) So (laughs) they were like night and day in that. My mom was like, what are you saying to her? That's nice. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. But my father presented learning to me as Mm. opportunity. He Mm. presented Mm. it to me as like curiosity and discovery. And so there was always something cool to learn. Mm. Um, So I'm grateful that I was able to continue as long as I was able to in education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the way I think about learning is not so much about performance or achievement or grades. Mm. 
it's about curiosity and exploration and connection and and attaching what's new to what's already kind of hanging in our closet, right? That's how learning yeah. kind of cements itself. So my, my parents, I think, my, my dad particularly, I'll give a shout out to him, kind of instilled that curiosity without a lot of judgment or pressure. My mom definitely came with, with a bit more pressure. And I'm glad because I probably would have quit. I needed some type of, somebody needed to be a bit of a drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I think, how that became cultivated in me, a mm-hmm. love of learning. And and why the direction you went? Why mental health and people and their problems with your education? Right. So when I first started college, I came in wanting to be a medical doctor. Like I was, mm-hmm. my parents, you know, whenever I had kind of an interest, they were like, well, let's get you a medical book. I remember my dad getting me like a medical book at like nine, which uh, clearly I could not understand this book. He was like, "This." He was like, "We're invested." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> like I think That's he saw so me playing around with like a chicken that they were going to cook for dinner, and he was like, "Let's oh cultivate gosh. that," you know. And so, so, but I, I had been saying from probably the age of ten up, like I'm going to be a medical doctor. I'm going to be a huh. medical doctor. And so I started college, and I spent maybe a week as a pre-med major. <laughs> so you were in, right? You were I so in. in. Look how committed I was, right? Um, and so I, I met the other pre-med majors and I was like, oh, we're like different kinds of people. Like, like fundamentally, we're different. We were like made of something different. And like, I was like, oh, I want you to be my doctor, yeah. but I don't want to be my doctor. I should I not love be that so my much. medical doctor. That's awesome. And so I ended up just roaming around <laughs> higher education, so to speak, and eventually found my way taking some sociology courses. And I just began to enjoy these conversations about society mm-hmm. and culture and people and, and issues of justice and injustice and how people have tried to figure that out for generations with different theories and philosophies. And then also putting my own growing faith convictions in conversation with that. So I ended up uh, finishing undergrad with a degree in uh, sociology, an emphasis in race, class, and gender. So studying society broadly. And then I went to graduate school and got a master's in family systems. So that's a smaller group. So I went from society to the family system. Okay. And then eventually uh, got a PhD in counseling psych to really kind of focus on the individual. And ultimately it was because I wanted to understand people within their context, Mm -hmm. but also have some of the skills to actually be helpful in some way directly Hmm. to people one-on-one. Gosh. You know what's so cool about your story is that like there was a curiosity at a young age and you did continue to be curious and walk through the doors of exploration, which is exactly what you do with other people and how you you create this like safe space to be curious. And you grew up in a space where you were allowed to be curious and explore. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes when it comes to mental health, there's this stigma of weakness or um, it's fluffy or it's too much feelings and we're just too sensitive <laughs> and mm-hmm. all of these things. What yeah. what do you feel like is real like so important about mental health? Yeah. You know, like especially for women, right? Espe- yeah. yeah, especially yeah. for women. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting is when I think about the world of psychology, there was a time when psychology was 
heavily male dominated actually that's when the mm-hmm. when the field first started and it has it has shifted uh significantly over generations and i do think there is some legitimate sexism when we think about emotions and expression mm-hmm. that cause people men and women to talk themselves out of the blessing of of being able to analyze the full range of our emotions wow. um, in a very negative and derogatory way people will look at that like oh that's a, a woman's thing in a negative way and i'm saying that that's actually a great blessing, if, whether it's a woman's thing or not, yeah. <laughs> that God has given us emotions and feelings and thoughts and experiences and invited us to process those things. And so yeah. I do think there uh, is a lot of stigma and shame attached mm-hmm. to obviously issues of, of, of mental, mental illness in our culture, and our society. And uh, but the truth is, our brains are just as fallen as everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah. to the extent that we would have physical issues like you know high blood pressure and, and mm-hmm. heart disease and a bad back, yeah, <laughs> we right. also we also have nagging anxious thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. also are kind of wired in ways that make us more susceptible and prone to depression, for example. Yeah. And not to mention the painful experiences that we have and the way that trauma sh- shapes us. Mm. Mm. Yes, and so I just think that we just need to give ourselves and other people a lot more grace, Mm. (laughs) a lot more grace, and a lot more honesty to talk about our own mental health and that we are a work in progress. Because don't we, as followers of Christ, I think we have an extra dimension of shame and judgment on it. Mm. I mean, you were talking about sexism of just women having it, but yeah. we, you know, we have this just Jesusism, if you want to, where yeah, because right. we're a follower of Christ, we're supposed to be done. You know, we're supposed to be all tied up with a bow and not struggle in our brains anymore. But but you're saying, hey, you know, your brain's like your kidney. If something goes wackadoodle, you're going to experience it, and whether or not yeah. you know Jesus, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I, I mm. do think that you know, on this side of glory, we got real problems and real issues. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Amen. and, you know, Jesus is not insecure. We don't have mm-hmm. to pretend <laughs> to have it all together yeah. as if we are somehow disparaging the name of Christ because we mm, have right. struggles. Oh, say that again. Yeah. Say that again. <laughs> well, we're not disparaging the name, the work, the beauty, and the power of Christ because we have problems. Mm. And if anything, it is in our weakness that Christ shows his strength. And Mm. so even our traumas, our fears, our our issues, even those things must bow down to Christ's agenda for us, which is Mm. ultimately for our good and for his glory. And I think that causes us to have the freedom to start handing some things over. Like, Lord, I'm your project. So this depression, this is you're in charge yeah. of this. <laughs> what yeah. would you have me to do? And so yes. we can start to hand those things mm-hmm. over to Christ. And we don't have to to over-spiritualize. And by that, I mean, we don't have to use some kind of pseudo-Christian language mm-hmm. when we have legitimate biological and physiological issues or problems. Yeah. So that doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. we're not any less Christian because we seek out medical services to help yeah. with our medical problems. <laughs> That's actually yes. a gift from the Lord God Almighty. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. God has given us brains and that one of God's attributes is creativity. And that means that people create things too. We share that attribute with God, Mm -hmm. um, which means we have uh, tons of people, believers and non-believers who have Mm -hmm. created things that can really help us in in Mm -hmm. our own mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you said. Spectrum of emotions are, are a blessing. 
Because I think sometimes I feel like I'm just not a blessing. I feel like I'm a crazy person (laughs) when I have a spectrum of emotions. (laughs) And I'm sure there's somebody listening that can absolutely relate. What would you say to somebody that that feels that way, that they feel like, oh, this is actually a blessing and an opportunity to bring God in. Yeah. So the Lord has given us the, the real privilege and honor to be humans. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I, it doesn't always feel that way because, you know, we, we got sin. That, that, that definitely complicates all yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a privilege to be fully human. And as a part of our humanity, we do have a range of, mm. of emotions and we can see Jesus in the text express a variety of emotions from grief and lament uh, to anger uh, to joy and delight in friendships and connections. Uh, we can see him uh, present a sense of loneliness and disconnection. We can see him weighted down by frustration when his friends didn't have his back and didn't support him. They yes. fell asleep in the garden. We see Jesus display a variety of emotions without sin. Hmm. And that is so important for us to, to wow. think about. Now, obviously, uh, because of sin, <laughs> everything that we do is you know, impacted by the fall. We need, we need the Lord. We need the blood of Christ to cover hmm. us. But we don't have to be afraid of, of the sadness or the frustration hmm. or even the anger that we have. It is what then we do next with it, right? Okay. So scripture yeah. talks yeah. about be angry but not sinning, right? right. So that means right. there's an expression of anger that we can have about injustice or pain or trauma or that we've experienced. And then there's also a way that we can render that to God and we can uh, move through that in a way that honors the Lord and is not inherently sinful. Mm. You know, Dr. Christina, I'm, I'm thinking too, when we talk about women and mental health, when we talk about our faith and mental health, it's easy to compartmentalize this and think we're all the same because we're yeah. all women. And, you know, I know so many different kinds of women, and I know you do too, but even Erin yeah. and I talked a lot about how we're alike, except when we're not. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so we have a lot of things in yeah. common, but one of the things we, we don't share exactly the same is that... Erin is a different personality. She's even more exuberant and experiences feelings in a different way. And I tend to, if I <laughs> feel a feeling, it goes straight up into my head where I analyze it. And, yeah. and then I'm like, no, that feeling's not allowed, gone, you know. And so can you talk about how we as women, what we're alike with our feelings and maybe what we're different and how our personalities yeah. fit into that? Well, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I will, I'll throw in out another one to complicate it. There are yeah. some people who, who, uh, who, who experience their emotions somatically. So soma means body, right? So they experience it in their body. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you talked about it kind of going straight to your head to kind yep. of intellectualize what's happening. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> for me, I know that I'm anxious or, or frustrated by what my body feels like when there's an mm-hmm. when there's an elephant that has his has his foot right on my chest <laughs> I'm yes. like oh maybe I'm worried about something <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's when I realize it right huh. and then I have to send it you know and then I have to kind of send it to the brain so to speak right in order to analyze uh, mm-hmm. what is that all about and kind of work myself backwards. And so um, we're all, you know, we're kind of all hardwired different ways. And then we're also socialized in different ways based on the messages that we received as we were developing, right? So some of us grew up in households where mm-hmm. we were invited mm-hmm. to express a variety of emotions, but that's actually not super common. I mean, True. It, it, True. it's not, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's interesting. I'll give you a full disclosure. I was talking to one of my oldest daughters uh, recently and 
you know, I, I'm in like the emotions business, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. Um, and grew up in a house where people gave me liberty. And my, and my daughter said to me one day, she said, you know, I don't know if it's okay for me to be sad or to cry about uh, this situation mm. that was, you know, a situation of grief uh, for the loss of a family member. And she said, I don't remember seeing you all cry. Oh, and uh, for me, it was it was humbling. You know, your children tell you yeah. the truth. I mean, they really do hold up quite a mirror. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and here I am talking about express yeah. all your emotions. It's okay. And then and here I have my really wise, uh, humbling daughter <laughs> say to mm-hmm. me, "I did not see you tell me what it is I have wow. permission to see. do." Yeah. And and then I realized that you know, it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to do it before <laughs> our children. That's good. That's um, good. And so, to the extent we were able to see people do that, then mm-hmm. we can we can begin to pick that up, and that becomes a part of our own story. For mm-hmm. example, so it's hard to become what you don't yeah. see, right? And yeah. so we're all kind of shaped in different ways through our mm-hmm. own stories. And giving each other, kind of what you said, giving each other grace that we all do process things differently. Mm-hmm. Explain more to me about the see and the say. Because I just think that's so powerful. How can women show other women to mm. learn that yeah. we all are different? Yeah. Well, there's a grace in, and, um, and freedom in not having to force people to be some mm. stereotype for us, for them to be more easily yeah. digestible. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that when that, as that comes to, to race, but uh, as well as it comes to gender, mm-hmm. that stereotypes are these really easy mm. cheat sheets. That's what I teach my students. And hmm. it's kind of a intellectually lazy way for us to size up people. Women do this with other women, right? And we do this with people who are uh, outside of our own cultural group, for example. It's a lazy cheat sheet. And those stereotypes end up making caricatures out of people and even caricatures out of ourselves. And so uh, as women, we can demonstrate love for each other by not like binding people to these caricatures of what other women are supposed Mm. to be, giving them the grace to teach us something about Mm -hmm. the fullness and beauty of womanhood, Mm. (laughs) Um, Mm. that it doesn't have to look exactly only the way that we want it to look so that it's digestible to us, or it doesn't tap up against our own insecurities. And I really think that that may be at the heart of it for some people. I need need other women to do X, Y, Z, because when they don't, it, it taps on the shoulders of my own personal insecurities. And when we come back, Dr. Christina addresses both the destructive effects and positive effects of something that nearly all of us use regularly. Find out what that is after this break. Thanks for listening to this God Hears Her podcast. Erin and I love sharing this space with you. And you know what? We want to invite you to become an even bigger part of our God Hears Her community to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. We'll keep you updated on new podcasts, encouraging blog posts, exciting new products, so much. Just go to godhearsher.org and sign up today. That's godhearsher.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And in just a minute, we will hear from Dr. Christina Edmondson on the importance of true social connection and the danger of being lulled into lazy disconnection. But before we do, 
just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but they also include a link to a free resource. It's a digital download titled, Why? Seeing God in Our Pain. This free download shows us the root causes of our pain and suffering, and It points us toward the Bible to show how God can draw us closer to Him even while in the midst of the pain. And this digital download is yours for free. Just click on the link in the podcast description or visit our website at godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. Now back to our conversation with Dr. Christina. So far, Dr. Christina has talked about the importance of looking at mental health as if it were a muscle and how it needs exercise and stretching in order to stay healthy. We also discuss the laziness of stereotypes and how they can harm our ability to find true community. And that's where we will continue the conversation. Dr. Christina will address the social connection that is or isn't found through social media and the destructive potential that social media can have if we're not careful. This is God Hears Her. Well, so now you're hitting on, I think, a really big issue for us all as women is social yeah. media and how we see each other through social media, the stereotypes, the expectations, the perfectionism, the judgment, the the shaming, the comparison. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Yeah. How has that shaped us and our mental health and got any suggestions? Well, there, there actually is a whole body of of research uh, specifically as it relates to adolescent and teenage girls about the way in which they are being shaped, misshaped and burdened by social media images. And and some people would make the case that we see a parallel between exposure to social media and increase in depression and anxiety related disorders Mm -hmm. in in boys and girls, but especially in girls Mm -hmm. because of the socialization of community and relationships are hardwired to, you think about uh, fight, flight, or freeze when anxiety comes up. Well, some people are hardwired to connect and bond. And social media offers kind of this somewhat pseudo, <laughs> sometimes right. it's real connection, yeah. but yeah. Uh, sometimes it's kind of a pseudo, a pseudo connection. So it can be particularly like attractive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Particularly mm-hmm. attractive for adolescent and teenage girls and, and by extension to, to women as mm-hmm. well. And so we can find ourselves looking at those images, thinking that's what we're supposed to be and putting extra burden on ourselves to match something that's not real. Yeah. I mean, everything that we see on social media is like, is, is yes. a still frame. <laughs> you know, before, yeah. before people took that picture, their kids were like exactly. yelling and fighting. <laughs> yes. And they did a yes. quick there you go. chaos was happening before that picture was taken. And that was the only good one out of a hundred shots, right. right? So, but, but we don't see the backstory. And, um, and we know that about our lives, but sometimes we tend to, unfairly hold ourselves at an expectation that we don't even hold others to. And so in the same way that it took us 25 takes to get the right picture, it probably took those other folks 25 takes Mm. too. Goodness, yes. One thing that I just feel like is so common is that we think we are connecting with our friends because we are observing what's going on online, but we really don't know what's beyond that picture. 
And it creates this narrative in our heads to thinking that we know that person. We are connected to that person. Mm -hmm. I remember Mm -hmm. I was going through a really hard time and I sat down with a friend for dinner and I was just sharing. And she, she was at the time a really close friend of mine. And I was sharing what was going on and sharing my heart. And she was just like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. I thought that everything was fine. I mean, I would check in on social media and didn't think I needed to ask any questions that to see if you were struggling. And it said two things to me. One, it said, what am I portraying online? And then the other was, why doesn't she call yeah. me to check in, not check in online? Mm-hmm. Do you see mm-hmm. that often? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's interesting. Intimacy takes vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability is almost like a muscle that we have to continually to, to train and work out. And social media and even like texting on the phone, I think, make that muscle weaker mm-hmm. and weaker. So I know mm-hmm. people who never call people yeah. on the phone. <laughs> They're like, you know, it feels it feels like so outdated to actually pick up the phone yeah, and say, yeah, how's it yeah. going, right? To actually talk to the person. I just like text so them emoticons or emojis, but to like really say that. And it's because when we don't activate that muscle, when we're not using that, that social connection muscle, we can find ourselves with, I think, actually increased mm. anxiety to engage in that way. So social media, to use the word cheat sheet again, becomes a little bit of a cheat sheet to make us feel like, okay, she looks great in that yep. picture. <laughs> All yeah. looks well. Yeah. What, yeah. A, what a funny thing she yeah. reposted. Um, and it's all good. And we don't have to express any of the vulnerability. We don't have to kind of give up any mm. of ourselves, any of our time, any of our energy to actually ask the questions mm-hmm. like, you look great online, but right. do you feel great too? Because I can't see how you feel uh, from the yeah. images That's that you post. That's a great question. We get lulled into disconnection and we get lazy. And mm. there is another element that, that I'm thinking of, and this is maybe another angle, but the, the cross-generational communication, you know, I'm of an older generation, shall we just say. So, you know, my, my kids and my grandkids have pretty much taught me, don't call me. I'm not going to answer. Mm-hmm. You're going to go straight to voicemail, which, by the way, they won't listen to if I leave one. You know, it's just <laughs> delete, you know. So conversation is because, I guess, of their their generations is not as important to them. And so how do we get vulnerable when we're held at bay mm-hmm. by generational yeah. preferences on how we communicate? Yeah. And I I 100% agree with what you're saying. I think that dynamic is very real across generationally in many households and families right now. But yet what we see is that that's one of the very things that young people are missing within discipleship. They're still longing for that connection. Even the connection that they reject by saying, just text me. Uh What we're seeing is that they are longing for real deep connection. It's just that they don't realize that it's going to be awkward at first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that people are avoiding because again, that takes vulnerability, that connecting with other people is awkward. (laughs) It can be really awkward. (laughs) And there there are a lot of things that we call social anxiety. Social anxiety is is a Mm -hmm. real thing, but there Mm -hmm. are some things that go under the umbrella of social anxiety as if it's um, a kind of like a pathology or a real big issue when it's just it's just the growing pains of mm-hmm. getting to know people. Of starting. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I remember working with first year undergraduate students and having them all stand up and practice small talk. Oh, wow. In the oh, classroom. That's so 
Good, that is so smart. To just practice the art and skill of small talk, oh, helping brilliant. them to develop their elevator speech, so to speak, and then watching their bodies, uh, watching their the, the anxiety, the mm. heartbeat, the breathing, what's happening for you when you have to do that task, and then normalizing the fact that you might feel yeah. goofy, uh-huh. that you might feel awkward in that. And, um, and so that doesn't mean you don't call. It just means that you have to do it more and yes. more and more <laughs> so that you can get used to it. And honestly, we have to reclaim claim that yeah. uh, because there are many benefits and blessings, I think, through social media communication, yeah. but we still desperately need each other. Well, we need yes. connection. just to be clear, I haven't given up. I text like crazy <laughs> yeah. and then I make them get together with me and then I make Absolutely. them talk. So, And in fact, I do this. I'll say, I'll ask them 5,000 questions and the, and the car is the best time because they're in the passenger yes. seat and they can't get out and you're driving. Yes. But the, 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 the other thing I do is I'll ask them a thousand questions and then I go, okay, you asked me one question and they all, uh, you know, <laughs> but they do, but they do. They ask me a question. All right, what did you have for lunch? These are great skills. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I, 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 we need to all do this. I agree. Yes. <laughs> I love what you're saying, Dr. Christina, because there's so much relief to that. That it is awkward. It is awkward. And if we know that it's awkward, yeah. so embrace the we awkward. can embrace it yeah. and get to the other side. We're also going to feel a bit of the shame and self-criticism mm-hmm. of, this would be so much yes. easier mm-hmm. if we did it the way that yes. I'm better at doing it, yes. right? Um, but releasing ourselves to actually not be great at something. Yes. <laughs> Just saying like, I'm not, I'm. this is not my thing. And not having to have everything mm. Be our thing. Like I always tell people, you know, I I feel like I have a short list of things that I'm good at. And <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. And that's and that's what it is. Everything else I'm like, mm, just kind of learning or maybe dabbling around, you know. And I think about that the way I cook, you know, I, I feel like when I cook, people are gonna eat and they're, yeah. they're not gonna get yeah. sick. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it's it's gonna taste like what it's supposed to taste like, but I'm not an expert in cooking. I don't even have that, I don't even give myself that whole obligation yeah. to be that. And so I think there there's a need to give ourselves a little bit more freedom that we are not gonna be experts in everything. Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Amen. that we're, we're going to be awkward uh, when we do certain things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. Okay, so Dr. Christina, you know, there are some of us, maybe it's a good day, <laughs> maybe it's our personality, but we actually don't really struggle at the moment with some mental health issue. There, there's some people who are like, hmm, you know, I think I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. But we may not be aware that we are. Or we may not be aware that we're being exposed to certain elements in our world that could eventually really wear us down and make us mm-hmm. unhealthy. What would you say to us in that yeah. sense? Sure. I mean, if I was, um, you know, just really reflecting on kind of our own kind of best practices, mm. uh, so to speak, to be good stewards of our mental health. You know, we're called to be good stewards of our of our physical bodies and, and our brains are a part of our physical bodies, so our, so our mental yeah. health. You know, I would say that, um, you know, we, we should still participate in kind of a checkup. You know, you take your car in to get looked over. We should take our, our brains and bodies in to get looked over. And I would say to to examine if there's any any trauma or anything that we've kind of tucked away or buried away that mm. we can surrender over to God. And um, and at different places in our life, we we may have the stamina or energy uh, to be able to work through those things. And it, it really does require us to work, work through yeah. them, a commitment to them to see them through. And I would also say that, you know, to continue to employ what we know are some of the best practices for mental health maintenance. And so that's, that's nature. Um, that's exercise, that's uh, gratitude, counting our blessings, um, that's connection to people. 
And also to just kind of do an emotional kind of body or mental health scan um, and to to be able to seek out who are service providers who can help us if we do hit a, a, a rough a rough patch, mentally yeah. speaking, uh, to be aware of those things. Ultimately, you know, we have we have a, a lot of resources in the Word mm-hmm. of God in the in the body of Christ um, that that help us to persist. And we also have the wonderful resources that God is still sovereign over in the medical and mental health field as well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I would invite people to think about how, um, if they're doing great, how they can be a listening ear, mm-hmm. um, a supportive friend, how they can, uh, you know, the ministry of the person who delivers the cards of yes. encouragement. <laughs> So I, I have a whole drawer full of cards that uh, this lets you know my personality that I fail to send to people. I have stamps in one part of my house and I have a whole drawer for, full of cards that yeah. haven't made it out. But but I would say don't be like me and actually put a yeah. stamp <laughs> on the envelope <laughs> and, and send those yes. notes of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I think in the particular moment that we're in right now, mm-hmm. those things can really go a long way. That's so good. I am sure you, you experience and you witness women and men all the time wrestling with not feeling seen and heard by God. You yeah. you observe it and you mm-hmm. speak into it. You speak truth into it. What does that look like for you in your personal? When have you felt unseen yeah. and heard? And when have you heard from him? I You know, I think the way that I would probably describe that sense of feeling um, unseen or unheard is usually when I feel really stuck. Hmm. Um, and or, or I feel kind of trapped in a, in a circumstance or things are not getting better or I feel that there's just... Mm-hmm. Um, so much confusion. Mm. You know, I had um, a couple of months of just of kind of plaguing health issues. I had developed um, an infection that I just could, uh. not, <laughs> could not get rid of. It was antibiotics after uh, antibiotics. Mm. It was, uh, it was uh, steroids after steroids. And at, t- at that point, like the medicines were making yeah. me sick. Yeah. I felt sicker with the meds than I was with the infection. And I remember realizing and just the up and down the steroid would change my oh, personality wow. and I can't sleep shaky and, and yep. grumpy mm-hmm. and yes all of these things mm-hmm. and I really need yeah. sleep <laughs> and I remember just being so frustrated because I felt the wear and tear mm-hmm. of that sickness mm-hmm. and which I'm still working through right now I felt the wear and tear of it the fogginess mm-hmm. in my thinking and I couldn't get relief I couldn't get on the other side mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and I wanted God <laughs> to deliver me from it. Yeah. I'm just tired, I'm tired yes. of being sick. Yeah. <laughs> and and two, I wanted to be Christian enough not to be grumpy and angry in my yeah. sickness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. that's really what was happening. I found myself multiple times a day giving a disclaimer of like, I don't feel yeah. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. And 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 I had created a sense of piety in my own mind that looked like I wouldn't need to announce that. Because I oh. I could live in a way that people mm. wouldn't even know I was wasn't mm. feeling well. They would just be like, "Look at the Lord at yeah. work, <laughs> work in her life." I had created Whoa. this this Christian yeah. superwoman that I wanted to be, and uh, the Lord didn't allow that to be an option. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was like, couldn't you know, just like, buck I up. Am yeah, bitter. Yeah, one working. Yeah. Bitter and tired, and I can't I can't muster up. I can't muster up the fruit of the spirit. I need the Holy Spirit (laughs) to bring about the fruit of the Spirit in Mm -hmm. me and am learning. Like this is literally still in process Mm -hmm. right now. So I'm telling you something that is a part of my life at the moment. So I'm learning that I can't fake Christianity, Mm. (laughs) you know, 
the Lord is being gracious to me and saying that I just, I can't fake it. I don't have enough strength yeah. to fake it. I have to acknowledge my fatigue, my weakness, um, my, my yeah. moodiness, my mood change. Mm-hmm. It's made me have to apologize mm-hmm. and repent a, a lot. <laughs> That's real, <laughs> a lot. Like, I am mean today. I am tired. And that's not an excuse because you are beloved of God. I'm oh, so sorry. But right? look at how you're um, modeling exactly what we all need to see. Sorry. Yeah. But look how you are. <laughs> yes. Because you're, you're doing the full range and you're showing yeah. it. And that's what it means to be more emotionally healthy is to say, I don't feel good today and I am mean and God help me. Grow something better (laughs) in this mess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So God God is meeting me, I think, Mm. in this moment through through deep yeah. humility mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. through exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You, you said something that was just so, I just kind of connected the dots as you were saying it out loud. But, you know, in the moments of where we feel unseen and unheard, like when we, when we feel unseen and when we feel like we don't hear the Lord, we also won't allow ourselves sometimes to feel seen or heard within our friends and our community. And we feel like we have to put on this like Mm. mask and this face, but we so desperately desire to be seen and heard. And uh, I just think that's so interesting that we, we do that. We feel that with the Lord and then we do that with other people. Then we end up feeling so much more alone and isolated. So much worse. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, it's well, it's one of the amazing things about um, the character mm-hmm. of Jesus, and and you know, one time I just kind of did a study of thinking of looking at the passages where Jesus notices someone, mm-hmm. um, where he sees her, mm-hmm. right? Where he where he where he notices someone that no one else is, you know, no one is paying any attention to, and just how loving that is, mm-hmm. how loving it is to see the person being ignored or on the margins, mm-hmm. that it, it is a godly thing uh, to be able to have that kind of vision, to see what we don't want to see or see who we don't want to see. And Jesus does that repeatedly in the New Testament um, where Jesus sees people. He, he feels people yeah. in, a, in a crowded space. He feels the woman who touches the hem yeah. of his garment. He, you know, he's, he sees that woman mm-hmm. at the well. Um, he, he sees that woman who's being completely ignored by uh, the male disciples who been, who's, who are kind of just pishposhing yeah. her away. And he's pointing to her as an example of faith in that particular instance. And so, um, yeah, you know, God sees us and we are meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, that's not like in an arrogant showboaty way. We're meant to be, um, we're meant to be acknowledged because we have value. And I think there's a way for us uh, to name that and not to be overwhelmed by a shame that makes it seem like we're being being arrogant or histrionic or too much. And I think I think particularly for women, there is a and particularly in our in our culture, there's this kind of idea that if, if you want to be seen, um, that that's inherently sinful. Mm. And I think there's a difference between um, wanting to be praised like in an idolatrous way. And wanting to simply be recognized mm-hmm. in the way that Christ recognizes and sees people. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that Jesus did that in the scriptures and Jesus does that now. Jesus sees us even now. Jesus saw the unseen in the New Testament and he continues to do that today. What a beautiful truth about our God and a great call to action to us as his followers. A way that we can walk together in our mental health journeys is to reach out to those that feel unseen 
and let them know that we and God see them. That is so true, Elisa, and just beautiful. And before we close out today's episode, just a quick reminder that the show notes are available in the podcast description. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, but they also include a link to a free resource. It's a digital download titled, Why? Seeing God in Our Pain. This free download points us toward the root causes of our pain and suffering and leads us to the Bible to show us how God can draw us closer to Him, even while in the midst of the pain. And this download is yours for free. Just click on the link in the podcast description or visit our website at godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. Not only will you find this free e-booklet, but you'll also find a link to connect with Erin and me on social. We would love to hear from you and answer any questions you might have, or even just to pray for you. So check out the show notes on our website, godhearsher.org. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, God hears you, He sees you, and He loves you because you are His. Today's episode was engineered by Ann Stevens and produced by Daniel Ryan Day and Mary Jo Clark. And today we also want to recognize John and Nicole for their help in creating and promoting the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, friends. God Hears Her is a production of our Daily Bread Ministries.